This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. This is Jerry Agar in for John Moore on The Breakfast Wrap for Friday, the 28th of April. It's going to be cloudy through the morning. There's a 40% chance we'll see showers in the afternoon, rain beginning late this afternoon. And then tomorrow for Saturday, rain or drizzle ending near noon, then cloudy, a 60% chance of showers and a high of 11. Periods of rain as well on Sunday with a high of 12. Here are the five things you need to know. The Lightning force Game 6, beating the Maple Leafs. Metrolinx finds more than 260 quality issues with the Eglinton Crosstown. Online videos may now fall under CRTC regulations. The Ford government will keep tabs on offenders out on bail. And hey, if you're in the eastern Durham region, charge your phones because Saturday night, 11 through till Sunday about 7, a planned power outage. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore. Don't panic. He's just on a vacation. I think it's a family wedding thing that he's attending in North Carolina. And I was talking to him about it because I did radio in North Carolina for a while. I worked in Raleigh and uh, we were talking about the Outer Banks and going out to the beaches, North Carolina. It's just a fabulous thing to do. I hope he gets that chance. I'll be with you today and Monday and Tuesday, and then uh, he'll be back on Wednesday and I'll be back in my regular slot. Now, the last time I filled in here on the morning show, I decided to start the show every morning with a joke. And for the entire week, it was a man walks into a bar. I'm going to do different kinds of jokes, I think, uh, for these three days. What? We'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, see, the thing, Nick, was that I I, I realized that anybody who listens to me regularly and hears me come blasting out of the gates at 9.05 with my political harangue thought, oh, my God, can I take that at 5 in the morning? No, neither can I. (laughs) So I just thought I would set the tone by telling a joke. They were okay jokes, weren't they? They, well, they asked you to come back, so yes. No, I guess. Okay. So here's the one. I actually saw this joke uh, on a video. Willie Nelson told this joke, uh, and so I decided to pass it along. Uh, it's not a man walks into a bar. It's a man walks into his doctor's office. He's there for the follow-up because he had had some significant testing done, dealing with some issues, and the doctor said, look, uh, there's no sugarcoating this. It's the worst news of all. Um, you only have maybe a couple of months to live, and there's, there's nothing we can do. And the guy, understandably, just devastated. There's nothing you can do. No. There's no drug. There's no procedure. There's no operation. There's nothing that we can do, unfortunately. And the man thinks for a second, he goes, well, is there anything I can do? And the doctor says, yes. You could take five or six mud baths every day. Every day. That'll help? No. It'll get you used to the dirt. That's a good one, Nick, because it transitions into Jerry Springer, but that's not going to be the rim shot from now on, is it? Well, it might be, but, you know, um, some people might think that uh, we could throw a chair at you after that joke, or they'll they'll smile. (laughs) Kids, there was a lot of chair throwing going on in the Jerry Springer show. And hair pulling. Yeah. um, Yesterday, we had the breaking news, uh, was during my show, that Jerry Springer had passed away. Now, younger people might not know who Jerry Springer was, but 
he, uh, but I had somebody write to me and, and said, that's breaking news. Why do we care about that? For better or worse, and probably worse, Jerry Springer changed television. And here's what happened. He was a politician. He was mayor of Cincinnati or Cleveland or one of the Cincinnati. Um, and then in Chicago, we started a TV show, the Jerry Springer show. And it was, it was a politically oriented show and it wasn't doing very well in the ratings. So they decided to just reach for the bottom of the barrel. And uh, they started bringing people on talking about their life experience of the, um, uh, about incest or, or uh, people cheating on one another and fights would break out and chairs would be thrown. And it was, it was just, uh, you know, coming up next the hillbilly who cheated on his wife's goat like it, it was it was that kind of thing it was just insanity and 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 it got great ratings to the dismay of some but that that's the reason that um that jerry springer was of note if you don't want to use the term if we don't want to use the term significant uh jerry springer just uh Changed television in a in a dramatic way. In fact, there were a number of shows. Then Ricky Lake had a show. There were a number of people who came on with. Uh, did Jenny Jones maybe do a show that you would consider to be somewhat similar to that? Nick, did you ever watch Jerry Springer? I did, but not. It, I I didn't set my PVR for it. But right, it, right. It was. I had heard about the it show. It was VHS at the time, not PVR. I'm sorry. I beg yeah. your pardon. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm that old. No, I, it was. Um, it was interesting because people were talking about it. What is this? And I'm watching. I'm going. What is this? Well, and and the, actually, Chicago City Council was an entity that took up whether or not the fighting that was going on was just a staged thing, whether this was pro wrestling as a TV show or, in fact, were people committing assault on television, in which case maybe action needed to be taken. You're, you're, did you say that wrestling is staged? It's um, scripted entertainment is what they call it now. Let's ask Robert Turner. The, well, Robert uh, Turner will say that. It's scripted entertainment. Um, and I don't know why they eventually had to do that. There was some kind of legal thing where they finally had to fess up and say, yeah, we, we're faking it. But the thing is, they're very good at faking it. And so I don't know if there was ever a definitive answer from the Jerry Springer show as to whether or not they were bringing on actors or just people who were so wacky, you know, like a Jersey Shore kind of thing, that that uh, they would play this role and that it was planned out that they would throw chairs at each other and scream and yell and pull hair, as you mentioned, Nick, and uh, or whether or not they just found the, the most outrageous people they could find and stuck them on TV. They did. And as outrageous as they were, they were pretty good actors, I guess, right? Because it was credible. If, if it really didn't happen that way, they were really, really good on TV. Well, I think that some of those shows were kind of punked by people who signed up to be on the show and they were entertainers and they came on and played a role and whether or not the producers knew ahead of time, that's what they were getting. Um, that's, that's what happened. But yeah, well, Jerry Springer also went on to host uh, America's Got Talent. The very first season was hosted by Regis Philbin, but then Jerry Springer hosted seasons two and three of America's Got Talent. He also had Judge Jerry. Oh, yeah. So you he know, had different And he wasn't shows. even a judge. Yeah. You know. But wow. there have been a couple of shows where the, the judge is not a judge. Um, you just, it's like an arbitrator, I guess, uh, you know, from a legal standpoint. But, the, but, it, but it's, it's the, it was an era. It was a time in television uh, for the better or worse. And as I said, probably the worse. Speaking of the worse, that has to be 
the description of a press conference that took place yesterday that was supposed to explain to us what's going on with the Eglinton LRT. Actually, the press conference itself was to announce an extension up the Young Line into Richmond Hill. But the questioning all came down on Eglinton. And uh, I didn't think, and my listeners yesterday didn't think they got proper answers. We'll just review that a little bit coming up. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore. Don't panic. It's just a little vacation, um, short vacation. He has today off and then he has Monday and Tuesday off and I'll be with you. And Mark Tuohy is filling in for me later on this morning. So adjust your dance cards accordingly and we'll all carry on. You still have dance cards? Well, all you need is a piece of paper to write on. That's Put it in your phone. <laughs> that's, that's what you should do in the notes section in your phone. I wonder if there's a, an app for that, a dance card app. Yes. Uh, kids, the dance card was, as I understand it, because I never, we didn't have them at our school dances, but that, that um, a, a woman would have a card and and there would be so many songs they were going to play and she'd mark down, okay, like on the fourth song, like, uh, Nick, I'll, uh, that's when I'll dance with you. Okay. And so then, where's Nick? <laughs> Nick's on my card. Yeah. Trying to fill out my dance card. Yeah. Yeah. On your empty dance card. Well, it's too funny. Ashley Legasic just emailed us. Uh, not to age y'all, but what's a dance card? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I, in fact, by the way, it's not aging me. I can talk about stuff that happened before my lifetime because I read. The birth of Jesus? Yeah. I wasn't there for that. Uh, but I can tell you about it if you'd like to hear. All right. We're not going to do that this morning. Uh, <laughs> Playing the best of Christian rock. It's Jerry Agar in the morning. <laughs> That's right. The Christian station. Jesus in the morning and Christian rock all day long. <laughs> That's the, oh, boy. Here come the Bible followers. Okay. All right. You know. go, and look, it's Friday. Yeah. It's a sweet, sweet Friday. Okay. Uh, it wasn't so sweet yesterday uh, when the press conference took place. We played the, the question and answer from a press conference that was uh, put on by um, Caroline Mulroney, who's the Minister of Transportation, and Phil Verster, who is the head of uh, Metrolinx. And uh, they came out to talk about an extension that is planned. Uh, supposed to be finished by 2030, uh, fill out your own bet on an office pool. Everybody knows what an office pool is, okay, um, as to what year that will actually happen, but it's going to go up to Richmond Hill. Uh, so that's what they were there for. But as soon as the question and answer started, Brian Lilly from the Toronto Sun got in her face about um, what the problems are with the Eglinton LRT, and she gave a political non-answer. Okay, that's Brian Lilly from the Toronto Sun, very conservative operation. Uh, going after the conservatives. Then it was a lady from the Toronto Star. She leaned into it, went after them about it. She was asking the hardcore questions. Then next it was somebody, a woman from the CBC. Same thing. Every media person was like, what the, are you going to get that thing built or aren't you? And uh, let's give you, in case you uh, weren't available for it, your work or something during, you know, it's kind of my attention people work while my show is on from nine to noon. Uh, so to uh, to fill you in on what took place, Carolyn Mulroney on why she can't give a date for the Eglinton LRT completion. Look, I would love to be able to provide a, a date, but that is contingent upon CTS delivering a credible schedule to uh, to Metrolinx. And as of yet, CTS has not been able to do that. But I understand that um, that conversations are going well. Okay, um, negotiations aren't going well. Uh, then. 
here's what happened, and I found this one the, the, the most illuminating and fascinating on a, on a sad level clip that we played yesterday, and that was when, after the press conference, Caroline Mulroney went back to Queens Park and was asked about it again during question period, and um, she got kind of emotional. As Minister of Transportation, my commitment to the people of Ontario is that we will deliver a system when it is safe and reliable to use. Madam Speaker, this is important that we get this right, and we have been transparent with the people of Ontario. We are focused on making sure Response. that the system is safe. Oh, okay, I, I guess that wasn't the one where she got uh, emotional. Let's try the next one, uh, and hopefully that will be it, because number 23, Nick, because she started to make excuses. Basically. I would very much like to be able to stand here today and provide a date to give the people of Toronto an idea of when this will, will open. But unfortunately, Madam Speaker, we are working with a contractor that has to provide us with a credible schedule. Okay, well, she went on to say, you know, we're just not getting answers and they're just not doing things. And it was kind of like, well, what do you want me to do? Well, you're the minister. We want you to add minister. We want you to lead. And what I also found really frustrating yesterday was that the the head of Metrolinx, who now, by the way, they seem to be considering giving a salary of above $1 million a year to, comes out and tells us, well, part of the problem is that they built some of the tracks uh, too close together. They're off by several milliliters, millimeters. And, and what would happen, he explained, is it would tighten up on the wheels and they would start to climb the track and then it would derail the train. You know when the first uh, train track was laid down? I looked this up this morning. Uh, and it was a wooden track, uh, which facilitated horses pulling uh, a vehicle. 1550, the year 1550. By the 1600s, we had train tracks and trains. And, and somehow, like just with a ruler or eyeballing it or however they did it, they managed to put the tracks down and not derail the train. And we have laser technology today. Somehow we got the Trans-Canada Railway built. And, and, and one of the excuses for the timeline problem that we have right now is, well, we put the tracks too close together. I, I, don't, I don't understand how that happened. Maybe the solution, as you're suggesting, I think you're suggesting this, is we go back to the wooden rails. Maybe. Back, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever ridden the wooden roller coaster? That's a, that, that's, that's a shaky ride. I don't think I want to go back to the wooden tracks now that you mention it. But at least it was working. Well, at least it worked. Okay, there's that. Um, I, it's uh, 526. It's seven degrees as we head out this morning. And we're looking at rain today and throughout the weekend. Jerry Agar in for John Moore on News Talk 1010. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore this morning. John Moore is just on vacation. He tells John Moore has family in North Carolina. I'm not exactly sure what all the ties are there, but he has family there and uh, he's attending a wedding, he told me. And he and I talked about the possibility of his going out to um going out to the outer banks of North Carolina. It's such a cool place, by the way. If you were trying to think of new vacation possibilities. I used to live in North Carolina. I uh, started my talk radio experience in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we used to go out on vacations to the Outer Banks. They, and it's a great place to visit, but don't ever buy a piece of property there. Here's why. Because the Outer Banks, the barrier uh, islands, they call it, that kind of thing. The Outer Banks are made of sand. 
There's no rock there. You're building your house on shifting sand. And the situation that exists, it's kind of weird. The houses are up on stilts. And you'll think, wow, look at those people. They've got the house on the beach. That's so cool. And then uh, maybe, you know, we could get a place, but we'd have to get the place that's on the other side of the street behind the houses that are on the beach. Yes. But a few years from now, you will actually be the house on the beach. Because the beach shifts and those houses are on stilts and the water isn't bothering them maybe this season. But next year, uh, the water comes up past where the stilts are. And then eventually the house just falls into the water. And then they clean all that up off the beach. And now you have beachfront property. (laughs) And then a few years from now, it's going to be you. That's the way it goes. I remember once I was talking on the air in Raleigh. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this little story. I thought it was so funny. We were talking about whether or not... Uh, the taxpayers should be involved in some kind of insurance program to make people whole when their house falls into the beach, falls into the water. And my attitude on it was, no, you pays your money, you takes your chances, so, so to speak. And a guy called up and he started talking to me about uh, this beautiful home that he has on the beach. He said, I'm on the way there now while, while we're talking. And I said, yeah, but if it falls into the water... Am I responsible to help you out with that? And he said, no. I said, okay, good. Good attitude. What are you going to do when it falls into the water? He goes, I'll build another one. (laughs) I said, okay. It's nice to have money. Nice to have money. Doug Ford hikes funding to monitor potentially dangerous offenders out on bail. Doug Ford says people don't feel safe. Um. He's right about that. People don't feel safe. Something needs to be done about this. Um, We have two aspects to this story, I believe. Um, One is that needing bail reform, he's right about that. But also, wouldn't it be better if we just finally started keeping the bad guys in jail altogether, as opposed to having to worry about following them around. Doug Ford did a press conference on this. Here here he is talking on the need for bail reform. Today, we're pleased to announce $112 million in new funding for programs aimed at improving bail compliance. This funding includes investments to create a dedicated team of police officers to catch high-risk provincial offenders who aren't following their bail conditions or unlawfully at large. This funding includes new money for the OPP, Municipal and First Nations Police Services, to set up dedicated bail compliance teams to assist prosecutors with gathering evidence and assessing public safety risks during the bail hearing stage. We're also giving special teams of prosecutors the time and resources they need to conduct in-depth bail hearings for accused offenders deemed to be high risk and we're investing in new technology to better monitor people out on bail. Together, these investments will help ensure that the most high-risk offenders remain in jail. Okay, and he says this isn't about politics. We urgently need bail reform. We're seeing too many innocent people lose their lives at the hands of dangerous criminals and repeat offenders who should have been behind bars. In fact, over the past two years, 17% of people accused of gun murders right here in Toronto were out on bail for other firearm charges. That's unacceptable. 
It has to stop, and we'll make sure it stops. Police officer was murdered, as you might remember, not that long ago, thinking that he was doing a routine traffic stop. And what he did instead was pull over a couple, the uh, male of whom was out on bail from violent offenses, including assault on a peace officer in the past. So this is one step in the right direction, it feels like from Ford, and maybe there isn't anything directly that the province can do, unfortunately. Cities can't, the province can't do anything about federal laws that make it such that we are releasing dangerous offenders back out onto the streets. If 17% of the murders took place with people who are out on bail, as Doug Ford has just passed along, I have no reason to doubt that number, Okay, you could say, well, hardcore bail reform isn't going to stop most of the murder. No, apparently not, but it would mean an awful lot to the loved ones of those 17 people, I'm sure, and uh, lower the, the devastation, lower the, the numbers. The government says a new dashboard will be key to its bail compliance technology. It's based on an initiative already in use by the Toronto and Durham police forces, which allows them to track those on bail for firearms offenses, including where they are residing. And the Toronto Star is writing this province-wide initiative will track those out on bail for a wider range of violent offenses, including firearms, drug and human trafficking, sexual assault and murder, providing real-time updates on offenders, including bail conditions, their most recent check-in, and allows different police forces to access and share information. The bail team announcement is the second this week related to law enforcement. You know, I'm told by police that there used to be a time when police had the personnel and the time to be able to go out and do door-knocking checks. Well, we've got so-and-so who's on bail but supposed to be at home. In fact, the individual who killed the police officer recently was supposed to be only out of the house if going to a medical appointment or some court uh, date, that kind of thing, um, but was out on the loose. And apparently what they used to be able to do was go around and just knock on the door and say, hi, we're just here to make sure Bill's home. And Bill either comes to the door and identifies himself uh, as being where he's supposed to be or immediately they're out looking for him. Why, why don't we do that now? Police will tell you. Um, lack of resources, lack of money and personnel to do it. So um, Doug Ford announces that program, which hopefully uh, will make a difference. And maybe that kind of move by provinces across the country will get through to the federal government and something will be done about the system which knee jerks into you get bail. And there are people who want a reverse onus, which is described to me as being, will you tell us why you deserve bail? Those are two totally different processes, aren't they? Like we give them bail unless we can find a really, really, really good reason not to. And then they don't seem to look hard enough, quite frankly. <laughs> and, uh, I, or to say, well, you have to prove to us that you will be, will be a good boy and, uh, and can be trusted out on bail. So we'll see how that goes. It'll take time, I'm sure, to know whether it's an effective program. Hey, Penny Alexiak is going to drop by the show. I'm really looking forward to that. Most decorated Olympian in Canada. And she's going to come by just after 8 o'clock. And we'll have a conversation there. And I'll ask her about when she was younger not being able to make the swim team. <laughs> 
that's coming up a couple of hours. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Jerry Agar for John Moore. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010. 